Hello, my name is Scarlett Lewis and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Thank you so much for joining me on my first ever edition podcast for Choosing Love. I started this journey following the murder of my six-year-old son, Jesse McCord Lewis at Sandy Hook Elementary School alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators in one of the worst mass murders in US history. And I still cannot believe that I'm saying that. Uh, With that being said, and that was six years ago, this has been the most heartbreaking yet incredibly inspiring and and growth-filled time of my life. And, you know, bottom line is this, we grow through difficulty. This is what I've learned uh, over the last six years. As human beings, we are literally shaped and molded through challenges, roadblocks, all the way up to tragedies. And it's how we thoughtfully respond to these things uh, that is what helps shape and mold us and what we put out into the world. The bottom line is this, when we have the skills and tools, we can thoughtfully choose how we respond. And when we respond with love, which is kindness, caring, concern, compassion, we take our personal power back and we make the world a better place. When we react with anger, hatred, and revenge, we give our personal power away. We become victims and we don't add value. And so really the purpose of this podcast is to figure out how we together along this journey can learn to choose love in all of our situations, circumstances that arise, as well as interactions. Uh, And and by the way, this is a practice. I want to invite you to join me on this journey of practicing how we're going to be doing this throughout life, making the best and the most of the life that we have, being present, really being aware of what's going on in our surroundings and loving with our whole entire hearts, showing up, being vulnerable, being courageous. And it's in doing this and modeling this for others that we're going to work together to make the world a better place. You know, I, I realized that we were all the same as human beings shortly following Jesse's murder. And one of the things that we're the same in is that we all want to love and be loved. That's just kind of like a seminal similarity that we all have. And course we have lots of differences but in the want and need to love and be loved we are all the same i realized also that we're all the same and that we feel pain and we suffer uh, yet we all want to be happy harvard university did the longest ever study on human life i think it's been 75 years now it's a longitudinal study so it's followed these people for 75 years and they found the secret to happiness is positive relationships, meaningful connections, and 
this is what we need to learn to have. <laughs> By the way, it's a practice for the rest of our lives. So let's be on this journey together and see where it takes us. I found a message on our kitchen chalkboard shortly after Jesse's murder. Uh, it was actually the first time that I came home and he had written three words, nurturing, healing, love. Now, obviously those three words are not something that a six-year-old normally says. No, I did not go around the house saying those words. Uh, I, I'm a single mom and uh, had two boys and a full-time job and uh, barely keeping it together. I believe that it was a spiritual awareness that he had, that he knew on a certain level that he didn't have a lot of time left and he wanted to leave a message of comfort for his family and friends, which this certainly was, but also inspiration for the world. And, and I believe that so strongly that literally from the day that I saw that message, I have been living, sleeping, breathing, speaking this message uh, every waking moment, nurturing, healing love. It actually comprises a powerful and profound formula for choosing love. So when you break down the meaning of each of those words, uh, nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. Healing literally means forgiveness and love is compassion in action. That's actually a powerful and profound formula for choosing love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction that you will ever have. And of course, it all starts with courage. And I go back really every single day to the courage that Jesse showed in his final moments when the gunman came into his first grade classroom and continued his killing spree. And uh, Jesse stood up to him and when his gun ran out of bullets uh, and he had to change his clip, Jesse yelled for his classmates to run. And he was able to save nine of his classmates before losing his own life. And, you know, I use that example of courage every single day in my life. And, uh, and the courage of my older son, JT Lewis, and how he chose to thoughtfully respond to his little brother's murder by reaching out and helping others. Those examples of courage uh, I use every single day in my life. I think if my boys could have the courage to do what they did in the face of such destruction, then I certainly can have the courage to get up every morning and take the baton uh, that I believe Jesse gave me with this message of nurturing, healing, love and do my best to spread it and to make the world a better place. So we need to have courage to practice all of those character values well and to choose love. So in other words, we need to have courage to be grateful, especially when things in our life aren't going our way. We need to have courage to forgive, especially when the person who hurt us isn't sorry. And we need to have courage to step outside of our own busyness and distraction and sometimes even pain to help others. But when we do that, we're choosing love. So the formula for choosing love is courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion and action 
equals choosing love. And we're gonna explore that a little bit more. But first I wanna talk about how powerful our thoughts are because the whole movement to choose love, by the way, started at Jesse's funeral when I got up to speak. And of course, everybody had been saying, what can we do for you? And I got up and I said to the congregation, there is something that you can do. I said, this whole tragedy started as an angry thought in the perpetrator's head. And I pictured the perpetrator who was 21 when he did the crime, um, but as a little boy having an angry thought without the tools or nurturing environment to deal with that thought. And we know now so much about the brain and how powerful our thoughts are and how every single thought that we have impacts us on a cellular level. That means physically, mentally, and emotionally, literally every thought that we have on a daily basis is moving us towards flourishing or moving us towards languishing. Every single thought. It's really incredible when you think about it. And here's the reality. As adults, we have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day on average. And we know through research that 70 to 80% of our total thoughts are negative. That means angry, non-productive, and don't serve us. Furthermore, we know over 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. So that means the same thoughts we had yesterday, a week before, a year before, all the way up to five years before. And when you realize that your thoughts shape your perception of your reality, and the majority of our thoughts are negative, it really makes you want to be mindful of what you put in your head. So I asked the congregation that day, uh, just think about what you think about and change one angry thought a day into a loving thought. I said, by doing that, you'll make yourself feel better. You'll obviously positively impact those around you. And through the ripple effect, you will make this a safer, more peaceful and loving world. And so everybody went out to the four corners of the United States. And I know they were listening to me because they started calling me, emailing me, texting me about a week later, saying that one simple act had completely changed their lives. And I knew that I was onto something. You know, the reason that the majority of our thoughts are negative is to keep us safe. So this is really interesting. We are all born with a bias towards negativity. And we have this, like this focus on the negative to keep us safe. So as an example, if you go all the way back to caveman times, you know, it's gonna be the caveman that's scanning for a saber-toothed tiger almost all the time that's going to live, to pass down his genes. And we have some of that scanning mentality still built into us. That's why the majority of our thoughts are negative. And so that's kind of our go-to. We know through the latest neuroscience that negative experiences stick to us like Velcro and positive experiences kind of bounce off us like ping pong balls. So we actually literally have to exert effort, mindful effort on positivity. It's just so vitally important. And uh, I think that that's some of the reason that we're in uh, having some of the issues that we're experiencing today. I mean, let's face it, 
We have substance abuse, which is out of control. It's at epidemic proportions and nothing that we're doing is working. We have a mental health epidemic where 49.5% of our U.S. youth will have had a diagnosable mental illness by the time they're 18. The average onset age for anxiety, which by the way is the most common diagnosis, is six years old. And we know the majority of those kids will not get professional help. Around 70% suffer alone. And it becomes interesting when you look at the long-term outcomes of untreated anxiety. It's exactly what we're seeing in our schools, suicide, depression, bullying, dropping out, and then that translates into society. We've got a loneliness epidemic where we've got over half of our population stating that they're lonely. Um, We've got bullying that's actually increased since we started tracking it in 2003 by 21%. This is despite all of these programs out there to keep it at bay. We've got more suicides in the US than murders. We've got trauma increasing exponentially in our kids. And this is seemingly despite our best efforts. No one wants any of this stuff to go on. And why is that? Well, it's because of our negative bias. We focus on the negative aspects of these, even when we're trying to overcome them. And what happens when you focus on something? It grows. And uh, so that's why my focus has been on proactive prevention. It's really been on positivity and love. (laughs) Because really, I think when you boil down everything, it comes down to love or fear. And anger is based on fear, right? So it comes down to the fundamental concepts of love and fear. Love is really the only thing that can transcend fear. And it was amazing to me to realize mindfully that we can choose love over fear. And I learned this myself going through my personal tragedy, losing Jesse, that really we can thoughtfully respond in any situation, circumstance, or interaction by choosing love. And when we do that, we take our personal power back and we make the world a better place. Nelson Mandela said, people must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. And it's true. People have to learn to hate. We're not born hating as human beings. Actually, science shows that we're born gravitating towards compassion. So we're actually born loving. So we have to learn to hate through our environments. And if we can learn to hate, we can be taught to love. One of the most important lessons I've learned over the past six years is that there are only two kinds of people. There are good people, good people like you and I, right? And there are good people in pain. That's a hopeful statement because there is always something that we can do to help ease that pain. So I literally decided to be part of this solution following losing Jesse. I literally quit my job and changed my life and and knew that I had to prevent what had happened to Jesse and the others because I knew that it was 100% preventable. I decided to focus on the cause of 
why we're having these epidemics of issues that continue to escalate. These were these things were happening when you and I were going to school, but now they're just at epidemic levels. And this is seemingly despite our best efforts. But I believe that our best efforts have been based on our negative bias and just how we're used to think and focusing on the negative. And what I've realized is that it actually takes courage to think in a slightly different way, to think in a proactive and preventative way. It's a little bit uncomfortable for us because really we're comfortable focusing on the negative and it takes effort and it takes courage because it's a little bit different way of doing things. But the interesting thing is this, there are decades of research that back up being proactive and preventative as being a solution to all of those issues that I was detailing earlier on in the podcast. I'm talking about substance abuse, bullying, violence, mental illness, trauma. A lot of these things can be proactively reduced and prevented. The solution really is social and emotional learning. Social and emotional learning has been around for quite a while. Actually, it's been around forever. (laughs) That's what parents have been teaching their kids for forever. It's what educators have been teaching their kids. But we've turned towards a focus of academics, simply just grades and test scores. And I think as a society, we have not been mindful of our negative bias and it's led us down a road where we need reminding now that we can choose how we respond in every situation, circumstance, and interaction, and that we can choose love. We need to remind each other and we need to practice. And I really do believe that Jesse's chalkboard message of nurturing, healing, love is a beautiful reminder to all of us. And so we begin on this journey by addressing the solution of all of those issues. And it really is social and emotional learning. I am so excited that you're going to be joining with me on this podcast. I've got an incredible lineup that I think everybody's going to have a lot of fun with. By the way, that was Jesse's last message to his older brother. JT was in seventh grade and 12 years old when his little brother was murdered in his first grade classroom. And when he came back to our little farmhouse for the first time, he found a note folded up in his room that Jesse had left for him. And uh, he opened it up and it said in little first grade handwriting, have a lot of fun. And I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, wow, what a beautiful, beautiful last message from a little brother to a big brother. But also I realized this was a message for all of us. We have to remember to have a lot of fun. It's kind of that, it's in the similar vein of what I've been talking about and our negative bias, right? And even I fall into this trap of forgetting how important fun is. And we need to remind each other. It's vitally important. And when you look at the research, on brain development, the ability to be creative and innovative. It's really, really important for each and every single one of us. So 
That's what we're going to do on these podcasts. We're going to learn a lot about nurturing, healing love and how we can include the formula for choosing love in our lives. We're going to learn about how we can all be part of the solution to the issues that we're experiencing, not only in our schools, but in our society. I think that we're all feeling a little bit of anxiety about the things that are going on. And the opposite of anxiety is action. And there is something that we can do. In fact, I created the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement as a way for everyone to come together. So regardless of what political party you are aligned with, regardless of your opinion on guns or no guns, regardless of any perceived difference that you have with others, we are all united in the want and need to love and be loved. So the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement is a place for everyone to come together, to be part of the solution. In the past six years, I've been spreading this nurturing, healing, love message and also offering no-cost resources on our website, jessielewischooselove.org, Jesse Lewis spelled J-E-S-S-E-L-E-W-I-S, chooselove.org, offers next generation social and emotional learning for the lifespan at no cost. It was so important to me to offer this comprehensive resource at no cost because I saw that it could have saved my son's life. In fact, social emotional learning is now considered an essential part of school safety, an essential part of school safety. If you think about it, we talk about external safety measures a lot and external safety measures being door locks, active shooter protocol, arming, not arming school resource officers, and all of those things, although very important, none of them address the cause of why a child would wanna harm themselves or someone else. Social emotional learning does this directly by cultivating safety from the inside out of every child. So kids that are connected, can have healthy relationships, can manage their emotions, are resilient to the issues we know they're gonna face, can make responsible decisions, are not gonna wanna harm themselves or others. It makes common sense, but there's also research to back that up. So join me, please, together. Let's be part of the solution to the issues that we're experiencing in schools that then translate out into our society. Let's all be a part of the solution. Let's reduce our anxiety. Let's practice choosing love. And while we're doing it, let's have a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me and for choosing love. And I will see you next time. It's all part of us, we can all choose love, it'll lift you up if you let.